Boy, y'all better be paying attention. Okay, ready? So the position that you're applying for, why you think you would be the best candidate to sell yourself? Here we go. It's Friday morning at the Pace Reentry Center, and employment coach LaDon Clanton is giving a group of about a dozen ex-felons an exercise on impressing employers. Once again, my name is Antonio Young. I'm applying for the warehouse position that was just spoke about. I feel like I'm the best uh, candidate for this job because not only do I have... This session is the culmination of about two weeks of work these returning citizens have gone through. They've worked on resumes, brought job leads into class they've applied for or heard about. Those are the hot items, jotted down by others. As you notice today's class, not only did the class have jobs they applied for, but then they actually remembered and they was able to share that. Last week, I had some that had zero. Clanton tells me during a break in class that some weeks, people show up having not applied for a single job. It's a sign the reentrant is likely not at a point where they're going to be able to hold a steady job. So it's back to their counselors. I tell the clients, they are the car, we are the GPS. Let us help you navigate your way to your career. Yes, I want to find you a job, but that's just an immediate uh, solution to a long-term goal. And the thing is, is if they are not ready for a job, then we only set them up for failure. Meaning that if they've had a history of substance abuse, well, when it's time to get their paycheck, then that may be their trigger to relax because now they have uh, a means in which to go buy that. This is Intersections, a reporting project from WFYI Public Media looking at the root causes of violent crime. I'm Ryan Delaney. For this chapter, we're focusing on reentry. It's a complicated subject, and there are a lot of places we could go with the conversation, like the high cost on offenders to be on probation release from prison, having to pay for everything from drug tests to their probation officer. Fail to pay for that drug test, clean or not, and you could go back to prison. All right. So here you go. If you're released on probation, there's a chance you'll end up at Greg Kiesling's Recycle Force plant on the near east side of Indy. It's one of several work release programs in the county for people who are out of prison but still serving sentences. Uh, my name is Cantrell Solomon. Uh, I started uh, the life of crime uh, early age. Uh, for at least 30 years, I've been in and out the joint. And then uh, I got out in 09. And then I found out about uh, Recycle Force through the probation department. It's been a, a great experience. I did everything, you know, underneath the sun. Uh, and then I, I took off, but I wasn't ready. I got violated for having a, a dirty drop, not having no, enough money. So to pay for the drop, I got violated. And then they uh, sent me back to prison for for a year. I got out in uh, 13, came back up here, and uh, I've been here ever since. The recycling plant provides money for offenders to pay their probation fees, but it also provides a chance to earn work experience and certificates. And things that any warehouse or any recycling plant is going to need. But in this podcast episode, we'll focus more on how difficult it is to stop committing crimes once a person has been caught for their first one and been sent to prison. It's a root of a lot of Indianapolis's violent crime. The man we heard in the beginning trying to impress a job prospect is just one of about 9,000 people leaving a state prison this year and returning to life in Indianapolis. But more than half of them will return to prison. They'll fail to find work and revert to stealing or take up the same drugs that took them down the dark road to begin with. Sometimes, that cycle ends in homicide. Three-quarters of this city's murder victims were known criminals to police. 
So stopping that cycle of reoffending is critical, but it's not easy. It's a brightly blue painted building on a corner of Hawville, a near west side neighborhood that's one of Indy's most violent. There's no sign outside, but enter through the chain link fence and then a worn door and you'll find Jason Ward. Hey, how are you, sir? Good. Jason Ward, Westlake Community Ministry. How are you? I had to go pick it. There are much larger reentry programs in Indianapolis than this, but for Ward, it's his phone. Westlake Community Ministry. In these two rooms behind a corner store. The building was a bar when Ward bought it nearly 30 years ago, a bar where he made money and became an alcoholic. Finding a new calling from God in the mid-90s, he converted it to a re-entry center and the snack stand up front. His center provides tutoring, financial counseling, and job placement for young adults coming out of prison. If I can stay in their head that, okay, positivity, and once you work, and then your worries, some of your worries may may not be over with, but you do have a chance that you can overcome this. Early exposure to counseling and services is an important part of keeping an offender from returning to crime. Studies show well over half of them will reoffend. Despite the work of reentry services, the younger a person is the first time they commit a crime, the higher the likelihood they'll return to prison. Well, my name is Stephen Buford. I'm 25 years old, you know, so I'm trying to get to a part where I'm you know, be able to make it out here, you know, because my mama ain't going to be around forever. and been through a lot, got felonies. I met Stephen Buford at Westside Community Ministry. He's well tattooed, some of the ink work his own. Buford went to prison the first time when he was 18 on an armed robbery conviction. He says he was hanging out with the wrong people at the wrong time, but getting locked up only exposed him to more bad influences. And over the next six years, he cycled in and out of prison, serving his last sentence for theft. I didn't have no goals or anything really set in my life at the time. I was already just, you know, looking for something to cling on to or just like a a boy or a man or something to cling to a gang or something, just looking for a little guidance or something. I was just out there wandering around. Buford gets excited easily, but it quickly fades when he starts talking about his struggles. He's dealt with a common problem for ex-felons, depression, burdened by pressures to provide for himself, troubles with his family, and raising a baby girl. Yeah, I don't know, it just weighs on me. I feel like I got to do more. And I'm 25, and I ain't got too much done, you know. I ain't got a lot of stuff done. I feel like I should be ahead in life. He's far behind. He didn't finish high school. He doesn't have a driver's license. On top of that, Ward says many employers shy away from ex-felons like Buford. Uh, Stephen has a robbery conviction, and which is a hellified thing. You know, so it's going to take every bit of seven years for that to go away, for him to even get a fair chance. Buford has been out of prison since the summer of 2014, which means seven more years before he can try to get the convictions erased from his record. Seven more years of a hard time getting by. He's strung together some work, but they're temp warehousing positions that only last a few weeks. He also applied at businesses around the west side. But they say, your background, they sent me paperwork, there's like, uh... I was like, that's crazy. That's crazy. It really bothers me, though, sometimes. But in a sense, I can't give up. Then I didn't want to be back in the jail. And uh, I'm going back in that cell. (sighs) 
He complains of headaches and dizziness and trouble focusing because of ADHD and other neurological problems. That makes it difficult for him to work the few long hours he's been able to find. Ward has tried to find employment for Buford that incorporates his art skills. I thank him for that because he do be looking around and try to find something that actually suits me. But if he finds something that actually suits me or I find something that actually suits me, I'm in it. I'm, I'm down for the cause. And instead of me getting to keep knocked off my feet. Lately, though, he's been doing odd jobs, hauling scrap metal for a guy in the neighborhood. But it doesn't pay much. $100 don't get you nowhere. A couple hundreds don't get you nowhere. Because you got Bob Pampers and formula. He's been trying to get back on the disability assistance he lost when he went to prison. While it means he can't work a formal job, it's one of the few social programs he's eligible for. It's almost impossible for ex-felons to get other assistance, like food stamps or subsidized housing. So for now, he waits. Hey, you just do it. I met up with Buford again at his home a few blocks from Ward's Hawville office. He moved in here not long ago with his girlfriend and their six-month-old daughter. Yeah, building my foundation right here, building it, you know, like trying to make it solid, hard rock, you know. Bills paid up, and I can always come here. It's food in the refrigerator. You can never just say, I'm suffering if your bill's paid and you've, you got food in your refrigerator. Buford's girlfriend is older, an ex-felon too, but she's a positive influence on Buford. He says she keeps him straight, and her steady paycheck from a job at Ward's Corner Store is a big help. That's where they met. I bought her a bag of chips. After a tour of his new house, I ask what it will take for him to stay here long term and not in prison. I ain't thinking about going back. I ain't, <laughs> I ain't thinking about going back, but uh, would it take me to stop to get to get to work, do something, just get my brain off of uh, the negativity or whatever it is on. But uh, the, a job or something, money. That will to stay out of prison is huge, says Julie Fiddler of the Mayor's Office of Reentry. It's not easy. I've seen folks fail at it. It's terrible. If you don't have that mindset, you aren't going to necessarily be successful. Many of the thousands of people leaving prison each year settle in one of the city's six focus area neighborhoods, identified by public safety officials for their high rates of violent crime and blight. One of them is Hawville, the neighborhood where Buford grew up and where he's now trying to make it. If there's a lot of unkempt abandoned homes and high weeds and grass and trash laying around and nobody cares enough to even pick it up mm -hmm. in the neighborhood, why do I, as a reentrant who lives across the street from this ratty abandoned home, have any cause to have any hope? Indianapolis police found that 84 percent of the suspects they arrested last year for murder had a criminal history a statistic that's on the rise. And so rehabilitating criminals is key to preventing killings. Brian Reeder, the director of the reentry office, says even if a criminal is ready to change their lifestyle, it can all unravel if they're forced back into the same dysfunctional environment. And we haven't addressed those systemic issues such as poverty, uh, such as a lack of education, uh, such as trauma that they have experienced, um, there, there are a lot of things that go beyond just a person getting out of prison and starting on the road, quote-unquote, to recovery. It took Stephen Buford a long time to reach the tipping point toward recovery. He's trying to put himself in the right situations and evolve from his past. Then again, I, I could have just stayed out of trouble and I should have been hard-headed, you know, because I was hard-headed. But 
Like, it would have been different. Like, I could have been somebody even better. I wouldn't have to deal with this. I would be a whole completely different person. But trouble is still there. For Buford, that trouble is smoking marijuana. He got caught in February for possession of marijuana and driving without a license. He's hoping to avoid prison time, and it's probable he'll just serve probation. But given his record, it's a felony offense that could send him back to prison for a year. More of the Intersections reporting project can be found on our website, wfyi.org intersections. And you can find older chapters of this podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. Intersections is a production of WFYI Public Media. I'm Ryan Delaney. Thanks for listening.